Hi, I'm Shruti. And I'm Julie. And this is a podcast of convenience. See, I did it. You did it. You did the intro. How You've many of you think it? that Julie should do the intro one time? Raise How your hands. How many of our four listeners? For <laughs> raise your hands, we will know. We it's will zero. know. It's zero, Shruti. I'm sorry. <sighs> I feel like I sound real kitschy. You don't. Real doofy. All you can do is believe me, and you don't. I don't believe you. Also, it podcast. You it? have to podcast because it podcast. It podcast. Okay, cool. Hi, friend. How are you? How's baby? I don't know. He doesn't tell me. Seems good. He's moving. Yeah. Kicking. Yeah. Ruining your ass. <laughs> Ruining my body in all ways. <laughs> oh, how big is baby? What's the baby date? I will have to look real quick. I haven't asked you in a few weeks. So I feel like this is fair. Normally, I ask every Thursday the date of baby size release. I don't know how big a turnip is, but he's the size of a turnip. Oh, a turnip's like like this big. It says, it says 14 inches long. So I think that's a pretty big fucking turnip, yeah, <laughs> but I don't bigger know. bigger than a ruler. Like, that's a ruler. Yeah, that's so he's longer than a, than a ruler. Turnips are huge. I guess. I've never seen a turnip in my life which sounds really weird to say but apparently i haven't i thought they He's were like smaller two than pounds that. 14 inches right inside of you yeah good thing i got them polish birth and hips tell us about your recent body horrors shruti my recent body horrors we actually tried to record this episode a few weeks ago um and my mic was broken and the reason why we wanted to do it a few weeks ago is because i had a diagnostic laparoscopy for endometriosis and they found it and i have it and now you i'm don't. Now you don't. they cut it right out of you they cut it right out of me i'm very pleased about that because what a lifelong nightmare of pain <laughs> Sorry, <I'm not laughs> it, just, it never ended it was like eight years and more than any medical diagnosis, they just kind of diagnosed me with hysteria for like eight years. Yeah. And you can call it anxiety, but that you're you're calling me hysterical and I'm not hysterical. And this was very validating to have someone go inside of you and be like, yo, it was there the whole time. This is all broken. We got to fix it. Reaching your happiness one nerve at a time. Yeah, because it, it was like... 10 easily 10 doctors who looked at you over the years and were was like oh, more it's, it's either this or it's nothing or they'd be like it's this and then you'd be like okay we'll treat that and then they would treat it and it wouldn't the pain wouldn't go away and you'd be like well then what else is it and they're like well now it's just you now you're just crazy because i tried a- the one thing that i was willing to try yeah i've done a lot of elimination diets because everyone's always like it's gluten Arguably, it was possibly related to gluten. I can't eat gluten anymore. But, you know, that's because of the endometriosis, not just because of gluten. Yeah, that wasn't going to go away if you stopped eating gluten. No, it was in there. in your body. deeply (laughs) entrenched in parts of me. And they found it and they took it out. That's awesome. I was deeply entrenched. It was stage one, but still found in enough areas that they were like, ooh, ew. (laughs) Get it out. (laughs) Is that what they said? Ooh. Yeah, my very professional surgeon. It's all shitty in here. (laughs) Look at all this shit we got to take out. Yeah, you just slice it right out. Oh, I felt so bad for her the day of the surgery. Um, because the Bad girl for that, your doctor? Yeah, the girl that went in before me. So my surgery happened, it was supposed to happen at 2 p.m. And so I was fasting since the night before. And um, you get there at 12, you check in, you wait two hours, and then you go in for the procedure. 
the girl before me was already kind of delayed and I didn't know it was my surgeon seeing her because there's a curtain in between us. But then I, I figured it out because they were talking about endometriosis and then after my surgeon came to find me. But her surgery went like three hours longer, four hours longer than it was supposed to because they That's thought crazy. it was stage one, but they got in there and they found stage five. <gasps> there's five. I thought that only went to four. No, I think it goes to five. It was like That's the highest crazy. one. It was a lot, like a lot more than they had expected. And so when oh. she came in to see me, she's like, she looked like she had gone through war. She looked exhausted. And I was like, do you need, I literally, she walked in and I'm like, do you need to sit down? Would you like some water? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to eat something? Because I feel like that was a long time to be um, surgeoning, surgery, surger, surging, surging. Nope. <laughs> None <laughs> of that. Enough. Anyway, so then she looked like really tired and then it was already 6 p.m. So it was, I was delirious and very nauseous because you and I discussed that when we get hungry, we get vomity. Yeah. Um, so I was just kind of like delirious in bed for like hours and hours and hours. Um, and then um, I felt bad for her because then her night went till like way late because she started at six and I guess mine was pretty quick. So it was only like an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, actually in operation but i we didn't get home until 2 a.m because we drove back from san diego that sucks i feel bad for you not for her she got paid a lot of money and you just got cut open and i paid them a lot of money to cut me you paid them a lot of money and didn't get to eat for a very very long time gut-wrenching amount of money yeah and then yeah it was a good time but you're better now yeah i'm two weeks as of today it's two weeks post-op and I have my appointment this Thursday. She's going to take off all the tape. We're going to see the progress of my wounds. I'm hoping they're closed because that would be really gross if they're all stitchy still. They're like dissolving. In two weeks, they should be good. Were they the dissolvey kind of stitches? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. I got four At least you don't stations. have to get them removed. No, God. Could you imagine? No, no, no. It'll just be a conversation, I guess, about what they found and how healing is going and all that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Yay for modern medicine. Sometimes. Yay. Yay for modern medicine, but not modern medical professionals all the time. Yay for her, though. She's a great medical professional. And boo for profit insurance. Boo. Yes. Boo. Yes. Boo, American healthcare system. Uh, and the insurance companies. Go get yourself truly, well and truly fucked. I hate you yeah, all. Truly. I work in insurance and I say that. You're allowed. You're on the inside. At least I work in corporate insurance. If I worked in health insurance, I think I'd be very, very depressed. <sighs> Just going through like people's files and going, how do I deny this person the help they need? It's expensive. I don't want to give it to them. Yeah. My mom had surgery like a week after you did. Mm. And she's had to fight every single step of the way to get her insurance to pay for anything. Like her doctor was like, oh, you need two pain pills a day for 10 days. And her insurance was like, we think that's too much. And she was like, my doctor told you that number. I didn't make up that number. They fight with the doctors. Yeah. And she's like, he's a medical professional who doesn't want me addicted to drugs. You have a freaking degree, like a four-year degree from like some stupid like major that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And now you get to make medical decisions? Medical decisions. And they, they just didn't. She just had to pay for it out of pocket. Because they just wow. like were like, no, we don't want you to have that. At least they covered my medications. Oh, they did? That's honestly good. My medications weren't that crazy. I think the only thing that was really crazy was they gave me codeine, but I didn't even take any of it because I didn't want to. Yeah. And then it was like ibuprofen and Tylenol. Yeah, so whatever. That was all fine. Um, 
there was one day I was like, should I take the conine? Should I? And then I was like, no, because the impact that has on your bowels is nightmarish. And so I'm like, nah, nah, not worth it. It always, the like one or two times I've been prescribed something serious like that, it just makes me nauseous. So I don't want to take it anymore. Yeah. I'm like, cool. I just have a bottle that lives in my cabinet until two years from now when I remember and throw it away. I learned that you can't throw that stuff away. Just kidding. Until you, what do you do with it? I think you can take it to like hospitals and stuff and they'll recycle it. Um. I found this out because, um, Oh, well, you know my grandfather died recently. That's kind of like, this is a very dark intro to the episode. Like, let's talk about my surgery and how my grandfather just died a few months ago. Um, but he was in his 80s and we were, it's, it is what it is. It's sad and that's fine. But um, we were going through his things and trying to clean up his room. And he had the medications of like gigantic boxes of what the medications an 80-year-old person takes. Yeah. And I was like, let's just chuck it. And then my dad said, you can't chuck medication because it damages the water table. Oh, I didn't think about that, but that makes sense. Yeah. So you have to, like, he's like, Kaiser will take it back. Um, and they dispose of it the right way. And they'll dispose of it, yeah. So I was like, Damn. oh, my God, I didn't know that because I have definitely thrown away medication. Absolutely. Tons. All the expired shit. But apparently it's like batteries. You're not supposed to throw them away. Whoops. I have a giant bag of batteries. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I also know you're not supposed to throw batteries away, but like once in a while. Once in a while I have thrown a battery away. Two double A's in my hand and I'm like, it's just going in the trash. Are we bad people? (laughs) I mean, yes, but not the worst people. I think compared to how much celebrity jets are polluting the environment, our two batteries are going to be okay. I mean, if we play the comparison game, we can always find worse. So let's just do that. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I have never thrown a leaking car battery in a river. So I think I'm pretty cool. Yeah. Whatever you have to do to get through. <laughs> Guys, my tummy hurts. That's why this is so dark, okay? <laughs> I'm having That's a why. Tummy Not just pain. because of who we are as people. No. But I'm going to turn this around, I promise. No, I'm not. I didn't like this book. It's going to go downhill. So here's the fun part. This podcast, this week on the podcast, we're doing something super fun called Truthy Reads the Book, and Julie has trouble focusing for three months and doesn't. Yes, despite the two-week wait after your microphone killed itself on our last episode, I still didn't read it. I still didn't read the book. That's okay. I don't want to force you to. You're pregnant. I'm going to use that. You need to use your brain power for better things. Fucking ground. I mean, brain fog is real. But really, I haven't read anything in so long. My brain just doesn't want to focus. I read up to, you know what? Okay, you know what? I read 56% of this book looking at my Kindle right now. That is not a horrible amount. I read half the book. I was just not entertained. So I think that's totally enough for me to contribute a little bit. Yeah. But mostly, this is going to be Shruti talking about a book she doesn't really like while her stomach hurts and truly <laughs> vaguely empathizing. <laughs> And then you all listen to it. Um, <laughs> all four of you. Okay. Let's introduce the book. Sure. The book is The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller, which was published in 2019. And I have gone back and forth on whether or not I want to talk about how this book came to me, because this is not a book that I've read before. Um And I was like, well, I don't want to out someone for recommending a book I don't like. But at the same time, I think books are so subjective that people have rated this book well. It is a book that people have enjoyed. I didn't enjoy it. That's okay. So I will um, 
talk about how I came to this book. It's an Instagram yeah. recommendation. And mm-hmm. I think that people should follow this account if you like um, – it's not book talk. What do you call Instagram talkers? Instagrammers? Bookgram? Bookstagram. It's bookstagram. Really? Yeah. I'm it's ancient. Bookstagram. That sounds like nonsense to me. So if you like bookstagrammers, uh, this recommendation came from an Instagram called Swooncast. Um, and they posted, like, um, if you like this Disney original channel romance, or this Disney original channel movie, you'll like this romance novel. And they did, like, a comparison of a bunch of Disney original channel movies. And I just commented, I was like, oh, I like this idea. My favorites were Phantom of the Megaplex and Don't Look Under the Bed when I was growing up. My favorite Disney original channel movies. Which I one don't did know they compare this to? Hmm? Which one did they compare this book to? So they said that if you want something ghostly... Oh, I said any books where someone falls in love with a boogie person. That's what my question was. Do you have oh, any books okay. where someone falls in love with a boogie person? Fair. That doesn't happen um, in this book, by the way. But for something ghostly, they suggested this book. And it is ghostly. There is a ghost in it. And that's where the comparison ends. <laughs> you know what's weird? I only read 56% of the book because of just who I am as a person right now and what my brain has been doing lately. I enjoyed the 56% that I read. So that's what I'm saying. I think it's just me. I think I didn't like this book. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Again, this is just a review show about us talking about our opinions and that's not a surprise. But I'm just like surprised that despite liking it, I still really couldn't get through it. But I think that's not the fault of the book. It's probably... Aren't you like moving into your third trimester? Yeah. Again, I'm going to blame everything on this kid as long as I can. So yes, it's his fault. I think you should. I think that's fair. Anyways... That's uh, that's how I found it. You should uh, follow Swooncast on Instagram. I really enjoy their account. There you go. We can like it. And even though you didn't like this one book, we still appreciate <laughs> bookstagrammers. Hate that. Hate it. You can't hate Hated it. Hated it coming out of my mouth. Felt bad. People find us from bookstagram. You can't say that you hate bookstagram. They, they find us from Instagram. No, it's bookstagram. No, I've never heard that in my life. That's because you don't run the bookstagram. I run the That's bookstagram. very true. And I also abhor most forms of social media except for TikTok. Yep. <sighs> why you edit these things and I force myself to be social on social media. <laughs> I have a few trigger warnings before we oh, get yes, started. Oh, yes, good call. Spousal abuse, uh, grooming a minor... Mental inti- oh that's not a word. Mental institutions and insane asylums of the early 1900s. Wow, I did not get there. Okay, interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that I knew the, the first two. Half. Interesting. It's cool. when you start to figure out who the ghost is when you get to the mental institution. Oh okay. Interesting. Or whatever. Yeah, that actually that was a part that I liked in the book um, when they got to that point. Cool. Liked. <laughs> I don't know. A glowing review. Okay, so this book takes place in the Gilded Age, and I've never read a book in the Gilded Age before. So this was kind what of a fun... What does the Gilded Age mean? The Gilded Age is like, what, the 1910s? Is that the phrase for it? I really genuinely didn't know that. I might have to Google that. I think it's the one before the Roaring Twenties was the... No. Sorry, this yeah. is 1875. Is that the Gilded Age, 1875? Oh, I don't know. That's just when the book takes place. Yeah, Gilded Age is 1877 to 1896, which was sandwiched between Reconstruction and the... And then the Wikipedia makes me open it, and I don't want to open it. Probably the 1920s. That is such a weirdly small period of time, isn't it? 
Yeah. 1870-something to 1890s. I knew it was before the 20s, but I thought it was like the 10s. It's still the 1800s. Okay. All right. All right. It gilded. There's apparently a TV show called The Gilded Age on HBO. (laughs) I'm not going to watch it. Because of this book. It's all this book's fault. Yeah. Um, Our main character is Alva. And our main male protagonist is Sam. Do you, what do you want to impart? Why did you like the first half? What happens? Well, in the we got to do our little plotty breakdown. Well, you do the plotty breakdown. Well, Alva is. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember. Hold on. <laughs> the baby has. Did you see the light her. leave my eyes right then? Um, Alva is e- exercised. What's the word I'm looking for? Ostracized. Mm-hmm. Alva is ostracized from society, from like polite yeah. upper society, um, because she is separated from her husband or separated from her husband who has since died mm-hmm. um, and has all these rumors going around about her, about her like gallivanting through France and having orgies and stuff. Yeah. Um, She's a real and- scarlet woman. Yeah. And good for her. We love that for her. But she wasn't even really a scarlet woman. It was just all rumor. That's true. We'd love it more if she actually got to do all that fun stuff. But um, mm-hmm. so she has since returned to place and New York, New York in 1875 and <laughs> um, purchased this like derelict old estate called Rose House. Rose House. It's in the name. The widow of <laughs> Rose House. <laughs> it's in the name of the book. And... Has decided that she's going to fix it up and then document her process and write a book about decor and renovation and, like, mm-hmm. sprucing up this house. She feels, like, a weird kinship to it because it was also, like, grand and then has since been sort of, like, tossed aside, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of her thing. Um, and then S- Sam. Mm-hmm. His name is Sam. Is a professor? No. His friend is a professor. This is such a good plot breakdown. I'm so proud of myself. Sam is a scientist, I'm going to say. Yeah, he's like an inventor. (laughs) And an inventor from a family of scientists and inventors. And doctors. Yeah, like a big scientist group. Yeah, who's very interested in ghosts and the paranormal in terms of studying it, not because he necessarily believes it, but because he wants to know what there is to believe. And he hears rumors that this house, this Rose Manor or whatever, is haunted. And so he decides to convince Alva to let him into the house to study it and see if he can monitor any paranormal presence and uh, collect data and stuff like that. Yeah. And then eventually she's like, yeah, do it. Although very begrudgingly. And then, yeah, they bang each other and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I read 56% of the book and that's kind of all that happened. Am I wrong? Uh, Other things happened, um, but it was like, I think the thing that I didn't like about this book is it was kind of boring. (laughs) <laughs> it was just boring i was bored um okay it's a little formulaic and a little boring but her husband was named elaine and he had a twin brother and the twin brother shows up and he's extorting her for money i just like my notes are so sparse i'm like okay so she's blackmailed i have three whole notes i'm so excited to re- share that oh later. i at but, least um... have more than that that's good <laughs> i started taking more <laughs> notes towards the end because i'm like i'm not gonna remember anything yeah by the time we record Okay, um, that's true, though. There is a blackmail plot where her mm-hmm. deceased husband's, former husband's brother shows up and is like, I think you might have had something to do with him dying, and I'm going to tell everybody that unless you pay me whatever amount of money. And she starts yeah. paying him, as of when I stopped reading. Yeah. 
Uh, and he's a douchebag, and her husband was kind of a douchebag too, and they were both, um, her husband was abusive. So he, when I talk about grooming a minor, that was Elaine to Alva. You kind of get all of that as you go forward in the story, um, all of her background, and that he was not, I think, physically abusive, but he, like, essentially married her for money, so he didn't, he wasn't attracted to her or anything. I think he only got abusive right at the end physically, and that's why she started to initiate divorce proceedings. Um, and Alfred is also just a grade A son of a B. Is that the brother? Yeah. There's one scene I liked. Um, I don't know if I even took a note about it, but when they're talking about um, the first time she meets Elaine's mother, do you remember that scene? She was like the sickly yes. woman. Yes, I do. And she's house. like hiding bruises and stuff like that too, as if this is a cycle in their family, right? Right. Yeah. Just the way that it was written was very, um, I don't know how to describe it. Sad, but in like a, <laughs> I want to, the word that's coming to my head is wrong. It's wistful and that's not the word, uh, even close to the word, but that's the word that's popping up in my brain. Um, kind of like this feeling of like you're looking into your future, but you don't even know it yet. Uh, for for the character you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not me. Yeah. Jesus well, Christ. <laughs> no. And then um, I think later in the book she asks Alfred, "What was your mother's surname? Like her before marriage name?" And I think she also had asked Elaine that at one point in the book, and they both were like, "What does it even matter?" Oh. Like essentially, she was a ghost in her own home. She was a living ghost in her own home, which I think kind of ties into the ghost motif. That's great. That sounds yeah. I remember that scene and just being like very sad for that character and yeah. Um, I didn't realize she can't kind of comes back and I think that's kind of cool. See, I'm tempted to want to even finish it sometime when I can actually read again without just losing my mind. So. I think you like the second half. If you liked the first half, I think the second half was even better. Huh. Well, tell me what happens. Tell me all the plot. All right, let's get into it, guys. Okay. Uh, I wrote down. I'm just gonna go through my notes. I wrote down that I was surprised by their first kiss. I was surprised by a lot of things that happened between Alva and Sam. I felt like their relationship was so fast and there wasn't a lot of emotional buildup for me. So when they like kissed, I was like, oh my God, already? Because he, what? Okay, I'm surprised. I feel like I was surprised by the kiss too, but I thought that was kind of a good thing. Like I, ah. when, I when I've read a million romance novels and I'm surprised mm. by one, it's kind of like refreshing to me. Oh, Okay, so this is good. You had a very different opinion of the book than I did. <laughs> um, I also wrote, he thinks she's his other half. Why? Already? Because, like, he fell in love with her so fast with very little... He definitely did, although I think they set up at least a couple of times where she would say something either, like, snarky or clever, like, quietly clever, and he would just, like, note it. Like, he would just observe it and, like, sort of file it away. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just comparing this to the... The Misconception, which I think was the last one we did, wherein there was absolutely no setup that they should even like each other, let alone love each other. No. And this one had like a couple of moments where he was like, oh, clever girl. And I was like, oh, that's love. Okay. <laughs> like Maybe I shouldn't be comparing it to another book. No, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's how our brains work. I just, I wanted more. I wanted more ghost or I wanted more romance, but I feel like I got kind of let down on both. Okay. Fair. Not enough ghost, not enough romance. Never Give me one or ghost. the other, you know? I want full paranormal activity, fling the cabinets open, drag someone down the stairs. I mean, they ghost. did do some of that, but it wasn't... They did? Oh, that's exciting. Okay, tell me. Okay. Uh, before we get to that, I want to talk about some historical terms. Oh. That I don't like in the Gilded oh, Age. Oh, I might... We might have one of the same. There's one... 
One of my notes is just a word that's upsetting to me. Is it cunny? It's cunny! The clench <laughs> of <word>. her cunny. <laughs> the worst word I've ever heard. It's arguably worse than Charlie. Cunny. Awful. Yep, that was cunny. one. That was one. The other Ew. one was... Um, the clench of her cunny is the, is the phrase that I was referring to. I also I wrote it. down clench of her cunny because Blech. the Gilded Age, I guess. That's what they say. Hideous. Her cunny is clenching. Awful. Awful criminal um and then the other one was historical condoms they had historical condoms where you have to tie a silly pink ribbon so i guess in the 1800s late 1800s they had condoms and you had to tie a ribbon around them that's right they had a little weird condom discussion yeah i mean i do like learning historical things but i could have gone without um clench of her cunny (laughs) and then the other one is something i actually have heard um as a curse word, I guess, like in England. I've heard it like in TV shows, but it's swive. What is that? Spell it. S-W-I-V-E. Oh, what does it mean? I think it's fucking, like swiving. Oh. And I feel like I've heard it in a TV show before, um, but I've never really stopped to take it in. Swive. Did we Google it? Do I need to Google it? Uh, maybe. I probably did at the time, and then I... I just wrote it in quotes and then left it there. My notes are not the best. Swive, to have sexual intercourse with. Archaic, humorous. Yeah. So he uses that term talking about what they're doing because they swive. Swive and to copulate (laughs) They do. We swove. What is the past tense? (laughs) I feel like it should be swove, but I'm sure it's not. I like swove. Swive, past tense. We're Googling. Is it swived? Probably swived. I don't think it's going to be swove. Swive, past tense. Stop telling me swivel. I don't mean swivel. I know what I'm about here. <laughs> it's swived. Past tense of swive is swived. Are you Boo. sad? If you were brave, you would have said swove. I don't know if That's... grammar is brave. <laughs> you know, it's just British people that aren't. That's so true. Boo. Yes. Um, okay, well, I learned something today. Yeah. So that was my three um, kind of historical terms that I pulled out. Or anachronisms. I guess the condom is not really a term. Yeah, you have to like lace it up. <laughs> yeah, you gotta like like lace it up at the base, I guess. I, I found the spot where they well the first time they bang each other, and it's like in an envelope. Yeah, they've got all these like condoms like her French friends gave her before she left, with a ribbon. How interesting. Um. Yeah, cunny is the worst word, um, in the world, mm-hmm. and I wish they hadn't said it. Because it made me hate everybody in that scene pretty much immediately. Yep. Yeah. That one's hard to get past. Oh, it's so gross. Okay. Okay. So I liked Sam as a character. Um, I have some good notes about Sam. Like he stops um, mid-sex, mid-sex act because she's kind of having a flashback with Elaine. That's right. Her ex-husband. And so I think like he can tell that. She has kind of left the building emotionally and he stops and they talk about it. And I appreciate that in the character. You can pay yes. attention. Um, to there were a lot of partner. things about Sam that I really liked. Yeah, Sam is really sweet. He felt very written by a woman and it was nice. Very written by a woman. He like carries, I wrote, carrying her to a carriage. He carries her to a carriage. Love that. Um, I think when she goes to the house, she witnesses like a murder scene. Um, when I don't know if you got to that part. Like when she gets to the house... And she starts going into the ghost mind thing. Mm-mm. Okay, so that happens. So essentially when you go to the house, they've discovered that the ghost, there is a ghost, the ghost is real. 
Awesome. What it does is it doesn't show you like real things. It takes you into your moments of deepest fear. So it fabricates your fears in your own head. So it's kind of like you're experiencing your worst nightmares. So that's why everyone who has accounts of the house that they go to interview has a different story about what they've seen because it's not the same. So for Alva... Sorry, it's taking you into a memory that already happened or into like an idea of something that could happen that aligns with your worst fear? Uh, The second one. Okay, cool. Yeah. So for her, it's like reliving bits of her marriage. Gotcha. And like bits of the blackmail with Alfred or Elaine. So like kind of like they've started to kind of mold together because they share the same face. So it's like it'll turn into one thing and turn into the other. But when she goes to the house, she essentially experiences um, spousal abuse. Which was where that, uh, like, she's getting chased out of the house. She imagines she's getting chased into the snow. She imagines she's getting, you know, murdered. But she's actually just in the house and she's passed out. Oh, okay. So um, she doesn't go anywhere. But in your head, you're seeing her doing all these different things. Why is the ghost doing that to people? Oh, uh, girl, I'll tell you. Good. Do it. It's very, very sad. Oh, no. And I actually really liked that part of the book. Cool. Okay. Again, I didn't dislike the book. I was just a little bit bored. Um, so I wrote that the ghost is a metaphor for Alva, the scene with Alva's parents. Okay, so then we get to Alva's parents. I liked this scene. So essentially, Alva and Sam are walking through New York in the 18-whatevers, and (laughs) they're having a good walk around, and somehow they end up outside of her parents' house. Okay. Like, they're just walking, and then she's like, oh, shit, I recognize this area. And her, oh, they're still her parents still live in New York. They still live in New York. They just fully disowned her. Like, Ew. we don't want to look at you disowned you because gotcha. you're gross. And then they also tell you um, bits and pieces of her childhood. Like, she was a very repressed child, like, oh. seen and not heard kind of child. And her parents were very awful people. And so we see them. They come out of the house. And... Literally, her mom's like, don't make a scene, Alva. We don't want to talk to you. And then they go straight to the carriage and, like, just leave her on the street. And then the maid, um, like, the maid shows up and is like, oh, I'm sorry about that. And then Alva essentially hires that maid because she's like, do you want to work for these awful people anymore? Or do you want to work for me? Because Alva can't get people who want to work into that haunted house. It's a haunted house and no one wants to work but there. But this maid is like, sure, I'm not afraid of no ghost. I ain't afraid of no ghost. Yeah. Essentially. Oh, that's cool. Good for her. And then Sam does this really cute thing where there's some deal with investments in like some of his inventions that like everyone in the goddamn world knows who Sam is because he's like a famous inventor and her parents know as well. And so he, I think, like confronts the father and was like, well, your daughter was so kind to bring me here so we could talk about my invention that you wanted to invest in and blah, blah, blah. And I see how you treat people and I refuse to give you my money. So he Good does that, him. like, I'm defending my woman thing. Hell yeah. Oh, and I love that. Um, let's see. Alfred shows up again for blackmail part two. Uh-oh. And I wrote, and Sam is there for some reason? So, okay, that's what happened. So he drops Alva off at her home. And then he leaves. And then Alfred shows up and it's like, I'm going to blackmail you. But then suddenly Sam is there again and like kicks him out of the house. And it's like, you're a monster and blah, blah, blah. Why does he show back up? They don't say? He wanted to return a hat box that she left in the carriage. Oh, cute. (laughs) They put it in there, but I was very confused. Like, where the hell did he come from? Oh, and there's the scene with what was your mother's name, which I really liked. Yeah. Oh, my favorite. They had a third act breakup. Oh, okay. Tell me why. So Alva and Sam break up in the third act. I can't involve you in my scandals. Okay. Alva to eh. Sam. I'm so scandalous and can't involve you in my scandals, which I thought was really slapdash. 
Yeah, I was going to say, she's been dealing with the scandals the whole time. But also, mm. these scandals have, like, fully ruined her life. So I, I guess I can get where, once she realized she was in love with him, that she'd be like, shit, this ruined my life and it'll ruin yours too, kind of thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, her parents disowned her and now she's getting blackmailed and, you yeah. know, she, nobody will work with her. And mm-hmm. she essentially had her entire life ruined. But his family's also pretty scandalous. I mean, they're beloved, though, for their inventions. That's true. They're beloved because of capitalism. But if in, yeah. in any other world, those women would have been thrown out because they're very um, not 1800s style women. Yeah. They have true. their own science. They blow stuff up all the time. Love that for them. Me too. So wait, how do they resolve the... You're, I'm, I don't want to get you involved in my scandal. Um, Is he just like, no, nah, it's cool. And she's like, all right. No, I think they even write the bit about the mental asylum that actually already happened i think <laughs> did i not write any notes about the asylum um i think they resolve it at the very very end um in the big conclusion of the book okay anyways i'm going to talk about the mental asylum because i took literally no notes about it that happens before the breakup and that's Do the it. most interesting part of the book is Tell finding me. out who the ghost is yeah so the ghost is mary rose de boer uh-oh do you know who that is no I mean, yeah, I know okay. the DeVore family owned the house at some point, but that's all I know. Right. Okay. That's great that you remember that because I would not have remembered. I'm like, Mary Rose DeBoer, <laughs> she lived in the house. So Mary Rose DeBoer um, is a descendant of the DeBoer family who lived in the home and she was a child. And as a child, she was prone to having a personality. Oh, no. Yeah, Sinful. she was a woman with a personality. A but... child, I should say. Like, a very small child. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I guess they couldn't, like, control her personality or her moods, maybe. Like, maybe she had tantrums or she was sickly or something would happen. And she would be essentially seen and heard, which you're not supposed to do. Uh-oh. And so her family... Did they... Did they Kennedy her? They Kennedyed her. That's such a bummer. They Kennedyed the small child. They put her in an asylum. <sighs> and then they put her in one asylum. And like they essentially, Alva and Sam have to go from asylum, from one asylum to the other because like she just disappears and they have to go through the records and be like, what happened to her? They can't they figure out what happened to her. Passing her around. Yeah. And so she got sent to another asylum. And obviously it's the mental asylums of the 1800s. She was horribly mistreated at the asylum that she ends up in she actually lives a long life oh she lives and dies in the asylum system um she wasn't really allowed to talk in the asylums or be a person in the asylum so they just kind of kept her locked up isolated and she escaped into her own mind and then you wonder why does she haunt the manor when she didn't die in the manor. She should be yeah. haunting the place where she died. And their theory is that it was the last place she was ever happy. Oh my God, that's devastating. So her spirit went to the last place it was ever happy. And then um, she's not haunting people on purpose. She's just reliving a lifetime of fear. Oh, and so they're just, her fear is just like reflecting onto people and manifesting their fears. Yeah, yeah. That she's just the most deeply fearful child that, and then she essentially arrested her development as a child because she was isolated from childhood onward. And became this insanely tragic story of the ghost. And I actually really um, found that part really interesting. So, wow, that's super upsetting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, How do they, do they fix her? Do they help her? They do. Oh, good. 
Um, so let's get to, before we get to the climax of the book. Yeah. Sam's sister gets arrested at a suffragette march. Good for her. Oh, what? I love her. Yes, good for her. Good for all the women in this book so far. I know. They're really great. Except for mom. Um, yes. Alba's mom is terrible. But yeah, I just wrote side note. Maggie gets arrested in a march. Good for her. Good for um, her. She's a great character. And I really appreciate that. So Alva goes to the house. So she realizes that... Uh, after the breakup, she wants to talk to the ghost. So she wants to resolve her own problems without involving Sam. And she's like, I'm going to go to the house and I'm going to talk to Mary Rose DeBoer, the ghost, and figure this out on my own. Cool. So she goes to a dilapidated house with many dangers, as in rotting floors and ghosts. And it's like, I'm going to figure this out. I am a single woman and I don't need no man. In the meantime, Sam admits that he doesn't really listen to Alva, which what I appreciate. What does that mean? So Alva this entire time is like, I'm a woman, I'm a scarlet woman, you know, there are things about my life that are hard, and that's where they kind of break up, because the scandals of it all. She is a woman uh-huh. in the 1800s, and her life has been ruined. And so he admits that he didn't really listen to Alva. He kind of got swept up in the I love you thing and not realizing that she's actually a woman that's experienced abuse and hardship and pain. And it's kind of like, I can fix it without realizing that there's things that, like, he's just not paying attention to. The That's dark awesome. side of her life. And, yeah. like, I, the last thing I need is another man thinking he can control my life or fix my life. Like, yeah. the other one's all disregarded my wishes, too, in a different way. Yeah. Cool. Good for him. Good for he never her. Understood and I guess privilege. good for him for finally coming to that conclusion. Yeah. And they come to these conclusions separately. Cool. So there is, then, the climax of the book in the house. So she goes to confront the ghost. And Alfred is in the house. He follows her in the house. Uh-oh. The brother of Does her Alfred husband. Die? Hmm? Do they kill Alfred? Do they kill him? No. Ugh. But he right. goes crazy. Okay. Oh, okay. Also good. Also I don't think he goes crazy, crazy, but he gets attacked by the ghost because oh, hell it's a yes. ghost. Okay. Awesome. So essentially, you're seeing like Alfred is chasing down Alva, and he like choke. He's like choking her to death. Oh God. In the house. Okay. That's not what's actually happening. That's her fear in the moment. Oh. She's now in the ghost world experiencing this. In the ghost world. Yeah. And Sam shows up and he sees Alva again, like on the ground. Because he's like, oh no, I found out. I think the maid or someone comes and tells him like, she went to the house alone, sir. You have to go. Yeah. And so he goes, obviously. And um, she's on the ground. And he's like, essentially, she's fighting her own battle now. Because she's in the ghost world and I can't help her. And she has to figure her way out of this. But I'm going to be here. And so he's like talking to her. Like, you got to come out of this, Alva. I'm here for you. And somehow in the ghost world, she hears this and bolsters her strength. Like, yeah, he's here and I got this. Because she figures out that she's not being choked. She's in the ghost world. I think she like, I didn't take a lot of notes on this. um, But she goes to like a room and she sees, it's like this weird kind of Benjamin Button thing. Where it's like an (laughs) old woman with like a child voice. Like the others? Hmm? Or the hours? Is it the others or the hours? The others, right? The others. The, are you mad? I am your adult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that movie. Um, so it's kind of like that thing where then she talks to um, Mary Rose DeBoer. Okay. And like is essentially trying to help her pass on. And so Alva, in the same way, I wrote the ending with Rose was perfect. The old one with the young voice. Um, and okay, so essentially... She's locked in the house. The ghost thinks she's locked in the house because she's been locked inside her whole life and she can't leave. And so she's a child in an old woman's body because that's who she was her whole life. And she's 
afraid of leaving. And so Alva's telling her, you can leave and I will leave with you. And she's like this really sad child. Like, I can leave? Mom and Dad said, I can't leave. And so they, they leave the house together. And then they spend this like beautiful, long day out in the sun in the garden together. And like essentially just like this lovely day playing as children. Because Alva also had um, been denied that as a child. She wasn't allowed to go outside. She had to stay in the house. Her parents wouldn't let her play in the gardens. They wouldn't let her go outside and be seen. Oh, my God. And so Alva and Mary have this beautiful day. And as the day continues, you see that um, Mary starts to age regress. So she at some point is the same age as Alva. And then she's regressing and regressing into a child until eventually she's able to leave and they have this like conversation and she's like you can go now you know like go into the light and pass on Mm -hmm. and so she helps mary um in death pass on wow it was actually a very actually i'm thinking about that's a very lovely ending but i just said it took took the whole book to get there so i was bored for 90 (laughs) percent until the very end and i'm like wow you really got me in the end that's beautiful and then i wrote no she did hit alfred with the lantern <laughs> so she did hit Alfred with a lantern. She hit him with a lantern. Because they were fighting. Oh. They were fighting in her fantasy. So there was a portion of it where she actually was fighting him. So when she okay. comes back to it, Alfred has been hit with a lantern. So she Good actually did do her. that. Um and he's gone mad because he's uh in the ghost world. Living he, out his he doesn't nightmare. get to come out or he, he could, I, I don't know what happens. They don't really show us, but I'm assuming after Mary passes on, he will eventually come back to himself. But he's um, already been living in it and he's having a rough time he's having a rough time good love that for so him. so you just hear him fighting with um sam's friend i guess sam's friend is like carrying him out of the house like oh henry or whatever yeah henry he's like come help me sam stop kissing what's your face in the garden and blah, blah blah and help me with this crazy person cool so uh and that's how that ends and then there's an epilogue what's the epilogue in the epilogue uh sam one of the plot lines is he's trying to like harness electricity for this, that, and the other project. He's really into electricity. So he gets electricity into the Rose House. Oh, and they cute. light up the house and they turn it into a facility for people with mental disturbances. Like a non-abusive, wonderful one? Yeah, instead of a non-abusive thing, care home for people who are not well. That's awesome. In memory of Mary Rose DeBoer. Oh my gosh. That's actually really beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel bad. I'm like, maybe you actually wanted to read the second half. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I wanted to know, but I might still, because that sounds kind of fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was a good story. I think the bones of it were really great, but I just never got sucked in. I was a little like challenged to read it. I wasn't enjoying it. Um, it was not a page turner for me. Sure. I would agree with that even. It wasn't a page turn. And not maybe not just because I can't focus these days, but like it's like quietly interesting without being like overtly compelling. And you think when you when you're going into a story and it's like a ghost story, you expect it to be like very compelling. You expect it to be, mm-hmm. be a page turner, I think. So this is yeah. probably a very different vibe than what I expected going in, but now that I kind of know, I might be able to keep reading it sometime. Yeah. I feel like my two little notes that I did for my two, my little reading um, were both about Sam. This is just a very Julie thing, but I was just very excited to, ha- to not finally have a book about an emotionally unavailable man. Like, he had his own growing to do and shit like that and mm-hmm. his own flaws. But for the most part, like, he was like, oh, I'm in love with her. Bleep bloop. Like, she's cool. She's awesome. 
it wasn't like he was fighting feelings for her necessarily, except for, like at times fighting how like passionately he felt for her to not freak her out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've just read quite a few books about emotionally unavailable men and I was exhausted by them. So that was really nice. And then I just wanted to discuss in general, the trope of, I mean, it's not a trope even, but something just like appeals to a very <laughs> deep part of me when a woman who is used to like male anger or who's had experiences with male anger meets a man who like surprises her by not being full of rage all the time. Like I shouldn't be excited by the bare minimum, <laughs> but um, I but definitely we are. Often, yeah, we all are. Like there were times when he, she would like say something to disagree with him and then sort of internally flinch waiting for him to freak out. Mm-hmm. And then he would always be surprised by it. Like, Oh, why did she expect me to freak out right there? And he pieces it together on his own that it's because of the ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And I just thought like, Something <laughs> probably appeals to most women who are attracted to men that, you know, when they don't <laughs> snap at you or <laughs> fits of rage, it's like a nice, refreshing little change. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't speak for all women who are attracted to men, but I feel like a lot of us feel that way. I mean, I do. Yeah. That's always yeah. just really great. And that when a man is like so, so un untoxic that he's actually surprised by her reaction and it has to be like oh no she expected me to freak out and it's mm-hmm. just like not even second nature to him to anticipate it i'm just like yeah this man is the opposite of toxically masculine and i yeah. appreciate that so much and he was written by a woman so <laughs> yeah he's smart as hell he's an inventor mm-hmm. he is emotionally available and he is not toxic and i mean he's also like funny and charming and stuff but those are the things that spoke to the, the lizard brain part of me. Yeah, he was very sweet. Um, like a cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll boy, yeah, for sure. And I do like a cinnamon roll. I really did like Sam's character. I think I just wanted something to like carry me through like with more engagement. In terms of their relationship or in terms of outside plot points? I think it had to be one or the other. And okay. it was neither. Fair enough. Like I feel like the ghost story didn't really get very interesting until about three quarters of the way in. Mm-hmm. like things were happening but it wasn't like enough and then i thought like the blackmail plot line was very kind of formulaic in a way i could see that which is fine again formulas are not bad i'm not mad at a formula and then with sam and alva i just wanted something that i didn't get and i don't know what it is it's intangible that's fair i thought they were sweet together but yeah. i also again only really got to the point where they had sort of banged each other, and she was like, maybe we can just bang each other. And mm-hmm. that was more they or did. less all that they were. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that's it. I felt like I liked them that's good. as a couple, but again, I didn't finish it, so. I didn't dislike them as a couple. I didn't openly dislike anything. I was just bored. Just, it, was, it wasn't fully all the way there for you. Yeah. I think also I'm a bit of like a mood reader. Yeah. Where if I'm not in the mood for something then it's just not going to hit no matter what it is. And I think what I really wanted when I was reading was like, I want something like high octane, high emotion, high plot, like something more exciting. And I don't know if this is very Yeah, this exciting. is like cozier kind of. Yeah. And this I don't think like, I was in a cozy headspace. For our, our other book club, we were, I was like, oh, I want to read a sci-fi book. And I ended up suggesting a book called The, Small, the Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. And it was a cozy sci-fi book. 
And I, I don't know, I, I knew that going in and yet somehow I was like surprised by how cozy it was and I couldn't finish it because mm. I was also not in the right mindset for it. So it's probably like when I expect like a paranormal romance. It just kept going and nothing happened. <laughs> I expect, Yeah. When I go into a paranormal romance, I want either like a lot of paranormal mm-hmm. or a lot of romance and they, other than I, the third app breakup, which admittedly I did not read, I think the relationship was kind of just like meat fell in love. They didn't yeah. have like a ton of back and forth. Um, and we didn't have like the fun paranormal activity shit until the last quarter, according to Shruti. So I mm-hmm. didn't get to read that yet. But and it was kind of sad. I like a sad book, though. It you was just me. very, the ending was very sad um, yeah. for the ghost. I love sad shit. I, I, I don't mind That's sad compelled shit. me to want to read it more for sure. Yeah. It was the part of the book that I actually really liked was the sad the sadness the sadness (laughs) yeah it was that part was oh it hit me in my heart space a little bit that imagining and then the way that she kind of articulated it with like the ghost starting old and growing young and finally kind of going back to childhood and then being able to leave damn it's beautiful yeah i'm all all about it yeah well read it i think i will you'll probably like it um but don't read it before you read angelica frankenstein makes her match yeah did you read it? Are you reading it? I bought it. I am 2% of the way through it. Oh, it no. Is, it is also a struggle with my brain right now, not not due to any fault of the book. but mm-hmm. um, And I, it's not like I'm secretly reading other things. I just can't focus on reading right now for some reason. So, yeah. Baby's leeching all your brain energy. Yeah, it's his fault. Let's blame him. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because Shruti read this last book for us, which was wonderful. And I will read the next one. Are we going to do Angelica Frankenstein on the podcast? We have to ask the book club. Yeah. So should we commit to it here or no? Um, so here's the deal. We're reading Angelica Frankenstein <laughs> Makes Her Match um, for the book club. By and Sally Thorne. What? By Sally Thorne. By Sally Thorne, who wrote um, The Hating Game. I read it already. I read it really fast because I've been on bed rest for two weeks. So I've got nothing to do but read. And um, I think we should talk about it on the podcast personally because it's fucking bonkers. I had a it was awful and good and weird and I have oh, a lot yeah. a lot of feelings about it. It was it took me on a bit of a roller coaster. I have thoughts, but we will I think not we can cover safely it. commit to do it as long as we do the book club stuff first, which yeah. we will because it'll be next Friday. Mm-hmm. So we should ask and just confirm: Are you guys okay if we do this? Because book club comes first, guys. True. And then I have, either we can do that one and then do our um, high fantasy mm-hmm. that was sent to us, or we can do another book if you want to. Well, let's just plan to, if anyone's reading along, nobody is, that's okay. Um, Angelica Frankenstein makes her match is very likely the next one we'll do. Mm-hmm. And if we don't end up doing it, sorry, but hopefully you had a good time reading it anyway. Um, it's a wild ride. And then after that, we will discuss if we want to do high fantasy or something else. So Okay. I have one clarification before we... Well, we have to rate this book. You can't rate this book. You didn't finish it. I'm going to rate it anyway. Did you even read the sex scene? The one that you I did to? read the sex scene, actually. That was okay. like right before the midway point. Oh, yeah, because of the clench of her cunny. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that just dropped a point because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a bad sex scene other than that. That just took me right out. Yeah. Okay. So what okay, is so First your... of all is the sentiment rating. Oh, am I going to go first? Yes. Because you read the whole book. Uh, five. 
five. Okay, right down, right, very mid. Mm-hmm. I was gonna give it a six with an asterisk because I didn't finish it. I have the feeling it would be higher if I read the cool ghost shit because I'm a fan of cool ghost shit in general. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking not. about sentiment between the couple, not like overall sentiment. Yeah, sentiment and plot and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, spicy rating. Because that ghost scene alone would jump it up a point. I liked that ghost scene a lot. Oh, okay. Um, except for Clench of Her Cunny. <laughs> it doesn't really resonate with me. So maybe a four? A I four? Sex I thought it. the sex scene was good. Hmm. Again, I only read one. I don't know if there are more. I wasn't in the mood for this. Well, that's not the book's fault. But it is how my brain works. Fair enough. I was going to give it like a seven. Damn. See, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You and I had a very different take on this book, it which I appreciate. It would have been an eight, except for they use the word cunny, and that's criminal. That means that we can we can officially say that Spooncast did a good recommendation because oh yeah I think so it's not it's just me it's just my brain no and I think it's often just me with a lot of these and I think it's just like if you want like a cozy paranormal romance which seems like a weird sentence to say altogether Mm -hmm. this is it for sure if you want like super compelling paranormal I feel like I've read a lot of like sookie stackhouse style paranormal romances mm. where they're like, oh yeah me too yeah or like i don't i can't remember the names of the other ones but there's like a bunch of series jr ward like that. yeah Black dagger brotherhood yeah I, I read a lot of that kind of like and again i love it so i mean this not in a derogatory way but like kind Weird of trash ones. paranormal romance and this is just like yeah. a quiet little almost slice of lifey one which feels funny to say when there's like blackmail and the ghost realm like, that things you get are happening <laughs> things it's are not- happening it's not entirely about their relationship. It's not entirely about the ghost story. Yeah, and I don't think it should be entirely anything. It's yeah. just, it's a quiet read. I feel like if you don't generally like romance romance, this might be a good read for you because it's not, like, heavy on the romance. That's kind of true. It's, like, subtle, subtler. It's a very subtle story. Yeah. But also very formulaic in a way. Maybe because I've read so many that I'm, like, this kind of read formulaic to me. I don't know. I haven't read a lot of ghost ghost fucking books even though they don't fuck the ghost they don't fuck the ghost in this disappointed and see that's i think we've read a lot of books where they they fuck the monster <laughs> 2023 <laughs> fuck the monster um uh, Julie's so favorite. yeah my favorite so i think maybe we were anticipating a different sort of thing when we heard oh my romance. god if you want to read someone fucking a monster you gotta read angelica Frankenstein. oh see okay yeah so i i will that sounds very up my alley and we'll talk about it probably oh my god it's horrifying <laughs> Okay, yay. That's <laughs> See, oh that's God. probably more what we expected. So, we may or may... we're going to have more of a reaction to it. I don't know. I don't think any anything could have prepared me for Angelica Frankenstein. Oh, research. okay. Yay. How thrilling. I'm like if you're in a necrophilia, you're going to love it. Oh no, I hate that. Well, that well, sucks. You have to read it anyways for Friday, so good that luck to you. Sucks to hear. Don't like that sentence one bit. Did you Fun. rate this? Oh, you did rate the sex scene, yeah. Yeah, I think we're rated, and we have our next book. Okay, and... I have one more note, because I have a correction to myself. Oh, yeah. And I do want to do, I want to go forward with this plan, so I'm telling you. Do you remember how I was telling you about um, books where they're really formulaic and very short, and you get them at the grocery store, and it's like the blah, 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 secret baby. Oh, yeah. And I said they were silhouette books. They're not silhouette books. They're Harlequin books. Harlequin romances. And I Googled Harlequin books because I want to make you read one. Oh, okay. And I found out that Harlequin has been printing books since the 1940s. Whoa. Till now. And so they're putting out new Harlequin. 
And so I was thinking, since they're so short, we should pick one um, like from the 80s or 90s, like when I was reading them, like a really bonkers one yeah. from that time period. And then maybe one from now to see if they've changed. I'm super down for that. That sounds fun. That sounds so fun. All right. So I will pick some. And it might not happen in the next couple episodes, but that is on my agenda to make you do. That's on the agenda. And also reading a couple of hilariously short, like in love with an inappropriate animal or object books. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that's going to be fun. That'll have to be something that happens, too. Um, Yeah, I'm down for Harlequin romances. Dope. Fun. Okay, that was my last note. I just wanted to correct myself because I'm like, I can't believe I said silhouette when it was Harlequin. All right, sorry for listeners who absolutely mm-hmm. caught us and were worried about that. We know now. We're good. Mm-hmm. Corrected. Get, get in the comments. Correct us when we when we fuck up. Or comment anything. Rate, review, and subscribe. Email us, um, podofconvenience at gmail.com. And, find and us on- we have reader mail, listener mail. We do? Mm-hmm. Oh, we do. Okay, cool. We're going to read an email. And I was given explicit permission that I could make commentary on this one. Okay, so we are we, but we're using the names that are written. Yes. Okay. This is the story of Shuki and Charm, correct? Is that what we're reading today? Yes, it is. Awesome. Okay. So one of our listeners says, I swiped on Charm early in December 2020. We started chatting on Bumble and the conversation was going well. After accidentally ghosting him for almost a week, we decided it was time to exchange numbers. L.A. had just become the global epicenter for COVID, and I worked in a hospital. I had just received the first dose of my COVID vaccine, and the vaccine wouldn't be available to the general public for a few months, so we weren't allowed to meet in public or be out past curfew. After a canceled date due to work, we finally set up a Zoom call. I had been on dating apps for five years at this time and pretty jaded about dating, so I'd usually end up... Uh, Sorry, I'd usually end a FaceTime date when my phone battery started getting low. Charm and I had been talking, and before I even realized it, I was asking for him to wait a second so I could grab my charger to keep the conversation going. The first call lasted three hours. We went on ten more virtual dates, making our dinners together or baking, all of which lasted three to four hours. After getting a COVID test, we were finally able to meet in person at the end of January 2021. L.A. was still in the thick of the pandemic, and indoor dining wasn't open, so we decided to do a long drive as our first date. As a southern girl, I was very impressed when he showed up at my front door with flowers in hand. We drove through the mountains listening to Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. I had my first in-and-out experience with a true California boy who not so subtly held my hand pretty early on in the date. I wasn't ready for the date to end, so we got coffee afterwards and just continued to talk. This date ended up being five hours. A month later, he asked me if we should get off of the apps and see where this goes. I told him I had deleted the apps two weeks before. Our second date was a sunset hike, which is the same place that he proposed a year and a half later and now we're eight months away from getting married and that email came to us two months ago so they are now six months away from getting married (laughs) and that is from one of our listeners and super 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 cute meet cute yeah and i get to comment because i have explicit permission comment that is my future sister-in-law yay and my brother's story yay and i asked her out on their first date you what i asked her out on their first date that virtual zoom call yeah my brother was being like oh i don't know if she likes me anymore she stopped responding to my messages and i was being like hey man she's a doctor and it's a pandemic you need to get your head out your butt she busy yeah She's super busy. So I just was like, hey, do you want to... I just took his phone and I'm like, I'm about to send something. You can tell me no right now because he never lets me on his phone. 
And I just asked her out. I'm like, do you want to have a Zoom date? And she said yes. And now they're getting married. That is super, super cute. And I love her and I love him. I love her and I love him, obviously, because he's also my brother. But I'm also very uncomfortable if she's been listening to this podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, when I saw her, com- her meal come in, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but also she has like the best sense of humor. So at least Family she's is not supposed to know chill. about these things. Yeah, as long as, as long as you keep it to yourself <laughs> and you don't tell the rest of Shruti's family, we're no, good. They can't know. But no, she can listen. She's awesome. Oh, my God. How your dad found her Instagram. Do you remember? <sighs> yeah. I remember. <laughs> Did you ever ask him about it? No. I blocked him on it. Or I asked you to block him on it yeah. immediately. If he ever brought it up, I would be like, here's why I blocked you on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to assume he was just scrolling and it was suggested to him. And he just saw my name and was like, oh, I guess my daughter's doing something. Beep, boop. And just and just followed it. Mm-hmm. And that he never listened to a single episode. Because if I believe anything else, I'm going to walk into the sea and never come out. I'm going to be a sea beast. And just never speak to another human being as long as I live. Which won't be long because people can't live in the sea. So, uh, yeah, that's my reality is that he didn't even notice that he was walked on it because he just just followed it and kept, kept scrolling. Didn't even look at the posts. Didn't listen to any of the audio. The posts are at all. mostly tame except for the one about the Fifty Shades of Grey one. Yep. Yep. But it's okay because he didn't listen. He didn't. He doesn't even know how to use Instagram. He doesn't know what he was doing. He was in a fugue state. He doesn't remember it. He doesn't even know he has a daughter. All of these are true. He has amnesia. <laughs> he has amnesia. <laughs> and I'll have to reintroduce myself next time we meet. And it'll be the first time he's ever met me. And it'll be great. And this podcast doesn't exist. And I don't know you. And everything's fine. <laughs> Keep going. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, like a full... <laughs> Shruti was there. I had a full meltdown when she told me my dad followed the Instagram account. <laughs> Oh my god, the text messages will live on in my memory forever. They were so... You lost your mind. I'm like, Julie, did you know your dad just followed us on Instagram? Ooh, nope, he didn't, though. It's an actual nightmare. That's reality. He does not hear about me talking about all my monster fucking books that I read. He didn't hear it. It's fine. I mean, the ones that we talked about aren't... They're not terrible. They're relatively tame. Our first episode was about Ice Planet Barbarians, and I went on, like, a full rant about how much I wanted to fuck the aliens. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first one. If he listened to even one, it's too late. Okay. It's too late. So he didn't. He doesn't exist. I don't have a dad. Turns out it's crazy. But yeah, (laughs) I don't know who that was. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so funny. I want to be a sea beast, but if I have to, you know. But this is okay. Sister-in-law is awesome. She has a great sense of humor. She's a great person. You can listen. My dad, you can't listen because you don't exist. You're not real. I wish you guys could see Julie's face right now. Her <laughs> eyes are like in another world. She's gone to a different dimension. <laughs> a dimension where her dad never found our Instagram. <laughs> he doesn't exist in this dimension. He's not real. It's All right, before, fine. Before Julie has a full-blown Menti B, let's cut this short and say um, follow us on where you follow things. Yeah. Pod of Con, Pod of Convenience. Do it. Send us your meet cutes. Um, we want to hear them or yep. book recommendations or i don't know what are you guys doing tell us we'd love to know <laughs> what are you up to how's your day did yeah. you get cut open recently <laughs> julie's gonna very soon i get cut open something's coming out of you though Some, something's gonna happen to you something's gonna happen to your body something's gonna escape you <laughs> good love that good. for me and on that note 
Anyway. We love you. No, we love you, listener. You personally. Yes, you. We're looking at you right now. 